Well, shout out to my sponsor, Allah Custom Creations, uh, owner Ruben Gonzalez. Y'all go like and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. Hey, he gets some firework done, you know, shirts, hats, all that, man. Again, go like and follow Outlaw Custom Creations on Facebook. I just want to give a huge shout out, man, to all my listeners, all my followers, everybody that just, you know, that they have messaged me and they let me know how how good the the episodes have been, man. We got plenty more to come. I just want to thank y'all, man. We hit the 1,000 listens mark. You know, that's a big milestone for me as to just starting this, you know, and not knowing where it was going to go. But, um, and I just want everybody to know we're going in the right direction. You know, man, like I appreciate all the help from everybody that I'm getting, you know, to help me to help me keep this going. Like, I really, really appreciate it, man. Like, y'all just don't understand, man. Like, this is something, like, it's helping me learn the game at the same time as I'm giving knowledge back to the community so all the parents and everything to hear, you know, from a coach's point of view. But I really, really appreciate y'all, man. Y'all just, let's keep this train rolling 2023, man. We're we here. Hello. Oh uh, yeah, you there? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh. All right. Um, how your day going? Your day going good? Yeah, running errands, man. How that goes? Yeah, same. same. <laughs> day after yeah. Christmas, it's good. It's kind of busy. Yeah. I'm gonna jump right in, man. Welcome everybody. Episode twelve. Leave. Sports talk, um, the the high school level, you know, get a, a coach from here in the San Antonio area, John F. Kennedy. Um, man, he started off, he, he went to Kennedy High School, you know, graduated top 25 percent, you know, then he went on to the next level to play at you know, Bethel College in Kansas, so he kind of got out of the Texas area for football, and and man, the list goes on, and, and getting to, to, to most of this right here, you know, like, we want to get mainly into this, this coach, you know, he, he was started off at Brentwood, is it? Brentwood Middle School, he coached there for yep. three years, you know, man, welcome Coach Benjamin Benavides to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. No problem, man. So, I start off, man. Let's talk about your your upbringing and growing up in in San Antonio. Was it? Well, honestly, man, growing up in the seventies and eighties, I really didn't know much of anything else but San Antonio. You know, growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in. So, you know, the biggest thing growing up for a little bit was the, my house. And then that expanded from stop sign to stop sign. And then obviously the community, you know what I'm saying, within the neighborhood when mm-hmm. you went to elementary, then you went to middle school, then going to high school at Kennedy. Then when you're in high school, you know, back then in the 80s, you know, you drive around streets late at night, there's nobody out there. You know, now there's everybody out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's a little different. But growing up in San Antonio back then, <clears throat> it seemed, I mean, I, I kind of still 
think it feels like a small town atmosphere here. But I mean, we're the seventh largest city in the nation. So it's kind of crazy because when I left to Kansas and long, long time ago, um, in the early 90s, um, it didn't seem like San Antonio was big. But then when I came back 10 years later in, you know, 2001, it seemed like it had doubled or maybe even tripled in size. You know, there's more cars on the street, bigger highways. It looked a little different when I came back. When I'm growing up here, great. Loved it. Loved my upbringing here. And I'll say so in the Kennedy said the West Side, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like I tell the kids, I mean, uh, there's no excuse for, you know, having goals and dreams about, you know, where you want to go and what you want to do. Um, tell them all the time. You can, you can quote me. The kids can probably quote me on this, but I say, hey, the same streets that your two feet are walking, I've walked. The same two things that your two eyes are seeing, I've seen the same two things your ears are hearing, I've already heard. So. Don't tell me what, what it's like growing up on this side of town because, you know, I was born and raised here and uh, yeah. I was able to go on and, and get a bachelor's degree and play football at the next level. Even got my master's degree, you know what I'm saying? You know, coming from a from the west side of San Antonio and it was a big accomplishment for, for me and my family. Right, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> how was it, you know, Bethel in Kansas, you know, from, from Texas to Kansas, how was the the difference? Man, it was a culture shock coming from the west side of San Antonio, going up to North Newton, Kansas, and right in the smack dag, you know, in the middle of, of Kansas, you know, Midwest, you know, Bible Belt, you know, just went to a small private Mennonite college. If you would have asked me what Mennonite meant back then, I had would have had no idea what it meant till I got there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was it was kind of a culture shock, you know. Um, you, you have to let your guard down just a little bit so that you can ask for help and people can actually help you. Cause sometimes, you know, we, the way we grow up is uh, it was kind of a sign of weakness to ask for help. You kind of just had to figure it out on your own. Mm. And I had to reteach myself in college to kind of just put that machismo guard down and just go ahead and ask for help. Cause if I didn't ask for help, I wouldn't have made it. If I didn't have my coaches and my professors, you know, pulling me along the way, I, I probably would have failed out or, or just not finished. But you know, just like I said, put my guard down, ask for help, and it it changed everything for me. And that's what I tell the kids now, our kids at the at the high school level. I said, I wish somebody would told me back then what I'm telling you guys now. Like, ask for help, fellas. Like, ask me for help. You know, because your that's present self, your present self is going to affect your future self. So we need to make sure your present self is ready to go. You know. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> they 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 scared to ask ask the for help. And they Correct. think like kind of you know you you explain yourself to them, tell them you know maybe you should try this. The automatic think you're trying to tell them what to do and all. Yep, yeah. We, I mean, it's just I, I guess it's it's just the age, probably growing up, like and then maybe the, the like you said the culture of where we grew up. Just like we can figure it out. We're we're gonna do it on our own, and and man, you can't man. It takes a village. It takes a village to, to raise you guys, and you gotta if you gotta ask for help from a coach or a teacher or. Uh, a mentor or whomever, parents, uncles, and whomever you need to ask help for, go ahead and do it. Just ask for help because they're willing to help you. Yeah, you just gotta ask for it. Yeah, you know, you know, you heard that whole cliche, right? The squeaky wheel gets the oil. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh huh. <coughs> I'm asking, I guess, huh? Squeaking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. you gotta say something, man. Man, so how, how was it, man? I see you as a 
you know, you was voted team captain your junior and senior year. And how was it? How was it being the captain of a of a college football team? Well, I'll tell you what, it was like I said, being Hispanic, you know, coming from the neighborhood I grew up in, you know, the upbringing that we had, the, the social economical status that we were in, and then going up to college and and playing at that level, I, whether it was NAIA or it didn't matter, it was football, it was college football. You know, seven percent of the people, yeah, seven percent of the people get to play college football and finish. So uh, going up there and then being voted team captain my junior and senior year was awesome because and I can and, and we're, I was around a ton of just awesome athletes. But I told myself every day when I woke up that I was going to outwork everybody. Like I'm going to try to outwork every single person on this team. But I got to wake up two minutes. If you're going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, I wake up at 458. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to outwork you guys. And I just did that my whole four years, just try to outwork everybody. I wasn't the most talented person on the team and obviously not the biggest or the fastest. I was close to being the strongest, but I, I was up there. But I just wanted to outwork everybody. And I think it just kind of reflected with my, you know, my dedication to to the team to, to get voted those last two years. It was awesome, too, to, to go out there and represent our team every, every game day for the coin flip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it meant a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to be captain in my senior year in high school. <laughs> as far as I went, was the high school. So, you know what I mean? Being the captain of a, a college team, I'm pretty sure you got a little bit more, you know, pressure on you. You know, how is it? And I mean, you kind of what is it like? Keep everybody in check. You know, you got to be the vocal leader, man. That had to be, had to be real tough. Yeah, it, it was it was tough because I'm not believe it or not I'm a coach, right? And and for me to say that I'm not a vocal leader is kind of a an oxymoron. But I I'm not a voc- much of a vocal leader. I try to lead by example. I just try to do things right. Uh, mm-hmm. And when when you got to say something, obviously you got to say something. And right. And but I, I feel that if you're if if you're for example if you're sprinting, right? You know how well I'm telling you right now. In college, we used to sprint with our position groups. So we would sprint. I would sprint with the linebackers. And I'll tell you what, if I'm beating every linebacker in the sprints, there's something wrong because I'm not the fastest dude out there. But just kind of trying to beat everybody all the time and it's like leading by example. And then just like giving them the look like, dude, I just beat you in that sprint. Like you're way faster than me. How, how did I beat you? Uh, and I, I guess, they, you know, just trying to lead by example, uh, the pressure right. of game days and, and you know, sometimes, you know, referees coming to you to, 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 to make the decision. And when you look on the sideline, coach tells you, you know, take the penalty, don't take the penalty or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, the game time situations, the captain was pretty easy. It was off the field. It was in the dorm rooms and in the, in the college community trying to keep those dudes in line because in college, it, it, it can get a little crazy. You know, it, it, you're out there by yourself and, and mm-hmm. you know, it's so you try to keep those dudes in line and, and the, the, the young bucks coming in, I always looked up to you because you're like the big brother of the team. Um, come, come to you for advice about, you know, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm, I'm homesick. I want to go home or I miss my girlfriend or just broke up my, you know, they're coming to you because you're the yeah. captain of the team. So you're right. It is a lot of responsibility, man. So I, I, I learned how to become a pretty good listener as well. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's, that's, that's always good though. If you can, if you're able to listen to what other people have to say, it, uh, it I'm pretty sure it makes your job a lot easier too. Yes, yes, it did. Yeah. It's all right, man. So then you got your your masters from Concordia, Concordia, in Irvine, California. 
and Cur- principal yeah. in 2014 from Shriner. So yes. let's talk about being in Cali. So the I already had my bachelor's when I went to college, you know, when I played football. Then I started coaching. Um, and I had always, you know, my dad passed away when I was real young, so he didn't get to, he didn't get to see any of my accomplishments. But my mom was still alive, <coughs> and um, I promised my mom. And I always I always promised my mom, you know, my mom to get my master's degree. That's that's one of the things because I was the first one to go to college in my family, first one to graduate, and I just kind of wanted to, you know, raise the bar a little bit, you know, just for me. Uh, and this is a promise I made to my mom if I get my master's degree. So I took that. Concordia University Sports Administration Master's Degree strictly online. I went to California a few times for a couple of classes that were kind of like uh, in the summer, and they were like week long, week long classes. Uh, but most of it was done online. Uh, and then I didn't get to attend my actual graduation for my master's degree because my mom had passed away that same spring or that summer, so I didn't even get to go. But she she did know that I got it because I was right there. <laughs> Right before she passed, so it was just one of those promises I made to my to my mom. Nice, nice, man. It's always good to make moms proud. The one thing. Yeah. All right. So, all right, let's let's get into your, you know, you begin coaching career at Bethel College. So you kind of, you kind of, you started there. That was your first at Bethel College. Yeah, it's kind of like a graduate assistant type position. I had graduated from college already, and uh, oh. I, w- I went ahead and got my like a double major. Like I got, I was taking PE classes and stuff because my first, my bachelor's degree was in health management, human ecology, and then since I was coaching at the college level for those guys, uh, they really couldn't pay me much at the time. This is in the nineties, right? They couldn't pay me much, so they just kind of gave me classes for free. So I was taking like my kinesiology stuff back then. Okay, and. Uh, I was coaching uh, linebackers at the time. We ran the four-two-five back then. It's the same four-two-five that we ran when I played, so I knew it pretty well. <clears throat> so I was coaching college linebackers for those three years, and I was also the recruiter, the college recruiter for the Southern Region. So I recruited the southern part of Kansas, Oklahoma, all of Texas, and then like Florida, Mississippi, uh, most of the southern states. So uh, I was bringing in about. 11 recruits a year to, to, to Kansas to come play for us. <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of those dudes, and I, was, I wasn't I was just bringing one-year wonders. I was bringing guys that were going to come up and do their four years, you know, get their degree, you know, get a bachelor's, not just come up and play for one year and all of a sudden, you, you know, you screw up or or it's not for you. And I yeah. always preach to the parents and, 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 the, and the athletes coming up. Like, this place got to fit you like a glove. It's not for everybody. This little small school in Kansas in the middle of nowhere, it, it's tough academically and you're going to get homesick so if it's not going to be a four-year commitment then i would just suggest not even coming up here and playing but uh yeah i was bringing in quite a few kids you know up to the to, to the to the college level a lot of them that are coaching now in san antonio a lot of them that are coaching in up in kansas and oklahoma and arizona and california and some in hawaii like i got some guys that coach that i brought up that are coaching all over the the nation and stuff so it was it was a, it was a good time for me to kind of get my feet wet in, in the coaching realm. Because um, back then, I did everything. I was single. I wasn't married. Uh, I can pretty much – back. this is back before. I don't know if you, you know what Huddle is. Huddle is uh, – it's how you trade film nowadays. Um, oh. so, so you just kind of digitally trade film from laptop to laptop. You don't even have to be anywhere. It's just like, like trading a video online, you know. That's what we do nowadays at the high school, college, and, and the pro level. 
But back then, there was no huddle. There was no digital emailing and stuff like that. There was VHS tapes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd record our game on Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock, and then the game was done by, like, 5. We'd put it, we'd, we'd, we'd put it on what we call stacks. So we'd get, like, maybe, like, <laughs> like maybe 10 VHS tapes, and we'd stack them up, and then we'd record all at the same time. And then it was my job to travel wherever we were, whoever opponent we were going to play next. Say we were playing a team in Nebraska, and really, I'm, I'm, we're in Kansas, so I had to drive ten. I mean, not ten, maybe like five hours out of the ten hours. Drive halfway to trade film with the other coach, the other GA, right, the other graduate assistant from that school. So this is after college, coaching in college games. Drive the five hours, you know, after we eat. Drive up there in the middle of nowhere. Kansas. I don't know if you, you probably don't know what a Rand McNally is, but a Rand McNally is a is a map we used to use before GPS. So this is like a huge map that you would just take with you in your vehicle, and you just try to find your way across Great. America. Yeah, yeah. Trade film in the middle of nowhere. It'd always be a McDonald's too, right? Because there's McDonald's everywhere in, in the Midwest. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so I drive the five hours after the game, get there like at ten. Uh, trade the film, pray to God that the film was correct, you know, because we had to trade three games, right? That dude was praying to God, I'm sure, too, that the film was correct. Then drive the five hours back. So you're getting back like at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Then I have to put those VHS tapes in the stack of the team we're about to play next week, make all the recordings for all the coaches before Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And I literally got zero sleep sometimes before the coaches came in and I Benavides, is, are the tapes ready? I said, yes, coach, they're ready. I got some for the LB coach, some for the DB coach, some for the offensive line coach. They're all right, ready to go. <laughs> but, all right, coach, uh, go ahead and take a two-hour nap, come back, and then uh, we'll get you going with what we need you. <laughs> so I go take a nap and come back and just start to work all wow. the way up to midnight, these Sunday nights. And so I, I kind of coached at a time where they asked you for a lot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you had to do a lot to be a coach. It wasn't just X's and O's and, and all right, you know, coach these guys uh, stats and starts and skills and drills. No, it was there was a lot of, of the back, uh, behind-the-scenes work that I learned those three years coach at the college level. So I felt that prepared me to become a better coach, you know, later on in the future. So when I wasn't no longer coaching college football and I moved over to San Antonio to the first three years I did in middle school, that was easy, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Well, we're done by 6.30, guys. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not trading. I, 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 the first time I coached Miss are we trading film? They're like, what? Trading film? What are you talking about? <laughs> we don't trade film in middle school? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> I had no idea. You know what I'm saying? Yes, man. That's so that, let's, let's, you know, let's <laughs> middle, stu- middle school coaching. And you know you didn't you didn't did the running running errands running all that and all night man going to coach middle school. Man, I absolutely love coaching middle school football and basketball and soccer and base not baseball but I did all the sports track. Uh, but obviously football is my first love. Uh, mm-hmm. coaching football at the middle school obviously we 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 all know that those kids have a special energy at that at that at that age so. Uh, trying to tame that energy, you know, bottle up and and uh, me trying to, I'm not, I don't want it to sound ugly, but trying to dumb dumb down my offensive scheme and dumb down my defense just to make it easier 
for a middle school kid to comprehend, you know, the scheme that I'm trying to run, you know, offensively or defensively. Obviously, I went to the high school when I first when I first got that middle school job. I walked over to the high school and I went to go speak to that high school coach. I said, okay, what do you guys run on offense? And what do you guys run on defense? Because I'm trying to get these guys ready for you guys. <laughs> and they hadn't really done that before. Um, it was a new coach, and he's like, no, coach, just go ahead and run whatever you want this year, and then uh, we'll work on giving you our schemes for next year so that you can get the kids ready. And I was coaching seventh grade football anyway, so he, right. he might have made a point to him. By the time they become eighth graders, we can get them ready for the high school. So um, I, I only lost – in the three years at the, at the middle school, I only lost two games in football that whole three years. I mean, we had some pretty good little athletes, and I – Felt like I knew what I was doing, <laughs> as as far as coaching, coaching the the team and stuff. Um, and I would look over sometimes, back in you know the early two thousand two thousand one two thousand two. I would look over across the sideline and I saw a coach on that side. He was like a math teacher. Now I'm like, does that dude even a coach? And they're like, no. somebody was telling me, no, he just teaches math. They just asked him to coach football. <laughs> so I'm telling myself, so that dude doesn't know anything about football. We're gonna run circles around this guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like just the, just the little ins and outs that football coaching, sometimes you can help win with with those schemes. So, yeah, we only lost two games in three years at the middle school level. And uh, it was it was a fun time for me because, believe it or not, <clears throat> some of those kids, well, they're not kids anymore, right? We're talking about 2001, right? We're talking about, what, 23 years ago? Mm-hmm. Some of those kids that I coached at the middle school level, I am still in contact with that group. Oh, nice. like I've been I've been invited to weddings. I've been invited to baptismals. I've been invited to graduations. I've been invited to parties, birthday parties. You know what I'm saying like these kids still keep up with me uh, because of, I hope because they had such a great experience, you know, you know, playing football for me, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and um, you, you coach both sides, offense and defense. Yes, yeah, I coach offense and defense, and then and special teams and everything else in between. I coach all eighty-eight positions at the middle school level. Believe it or not, <laughs> all right. people are like people are like what? They're eighty-eight positions? They're not eighty-eight positions. I said, yes, there are. There's eight teams you can be on. There's kickoff, kickoff return. There's punt. There's punt return. There's field goal. There's field goal block. There's offense. There's defense. There's special teams. Like I'm gonna find a spot for you guys. There's eighty-eight positions on this squad that we can find a spot for you. Yes, and. Any and how many you carry at the middle, middle school level? You know what? We had an A team and a B team all three years I was there. I would carry about 25 to 30 on the A team and about 20. So maybe like 55 kids on, on the seventh grade team and then like another 55 on on the eighth grade team. So we had quite a few kids, you know, uh, that came out for middle because in middle school they play everything. You know they want to do every every sport and, it, and it's fun for them. They'll start to specialize a little bit more in high school. But as far as middle school, if I'm your PE coach, you're playing every sport. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're gonna play every sport. God, yeah. <laughs> especially, Correct. especially these days, man. It's so easy for kids to just get what it's like you you need. I mean, not that you need much because there's other stuff, but just right there like you like I tell my kids like you have to do something you're not going yes. to be at home like that's not going to work yeah. I'm not saying you have to do sports band 
art. I don't know. You got to do something that extra quickly. Yep. No. Um. So so coming in, you know, man, being a a middle school coach, and you got ten players that want to be running and six quarterbacks. How how do you how do you get everybody playing time? So as far as playing time goes, I mean, that just all depends on, like you said, how many running backs, how many quarterbacks, how many receivers, how many offensive line, defense, whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. like how many guys do you have out there? So we would, obviously, with having an A team and a B team, if you have 10 running backs, then your top five are going to be on the A team and your next five are going to be on the B team. You know what I'm saying? Because is because of the quality of play. Uh, although I, I I'm, I'm just gonna say it out there, most of the B team players I had in 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 middle school, about more than sixty percent of the B teamers I had in middle school were starters and studs in high school. They work. And that's just they work exactly. They're the kids that got pushed to the second team. They're they're the kids that got pushed back. They're the kids that had already faced adversity at yeah. such a younger age. By the time they got to high school, the adversity was nothing to them. And they became starters and studs in, in, in high school. And I would tell that story to the middle school kids, too. Like, you know, just because you're on B team doesn't mean anything. I said, our starting quarterback right now, look at him. He's a stud, right? Yeah, he was a B team quarterback in, in eighth grade. So you're starting running back, he was a B team. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. if you're and if you're an A teamer in the middle school, you better keep it up and you better maintain it because these dudes right here, yeah, they're nipping come. at your heels. Yeah, they're coming for you. They're coming for your spot. So with 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 the ton of players that I had on, at one position, we just split them up, and then we had a rotation going on in, in the, at the middle school level. And since they let me kind of run my own offense, <laughs> which they shouldn't have, but they did because they didn't have anything ready for him. I ran a three back offensive system, so one quarterback and three running backs, kind of like a, the old wishbone type stuff. I ran that, which was killing teams back then, because. Nobody knew how to stop it. I would double tight end, three in the back, and you don't know who's going to get the ball. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, even if I had five running backs, you know, three of them are in there at one time, and I would just rotate rotate with those kids. <clears throat> as far as the quarterback goes, I would probably I, – I, I think I did two on A team and two on B team. So that would do four quarterbacks right there. If I had a third, another quarterback extra, uh, we tried to find a different position for him, maybe on defense or something before – uh, but I mean, pretty much every week in middle school is kind of like a little okay. So this kid wants to play quarterback. Let's see what he has this week, you know. But even though we have our four quarterbacks, let's see what this kid has. So you got to give him the opportunity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, man. That it gotta be, man. I don't see how and how by how many kids do you have like come out to try out at the middle school level back then? Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember, man. This was 20 years, 20, 25 yeah. years ago. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, since I was the PE coach at the time, every boy in my PE class, so, so for example, in the beginning of the f- school year, during my PE classes, guess what unit, academic PE unit we were doing in the beginning of the year for the boys? Football. Mm. So we were already doing football during – physical education during the day so i got to kind of pick and choose my players during the pe period 
of hey yeah you know what you're gonna start you're gonna be an offensive line for me or you know what you're gonna be a running back oh you throw the because we did the whole unit like learn everybody through the football mm. everybody be through the football right we're gonna stand there we're gonna put our feet placement this way we're gonna put our head placement our hip placement our hand placement everybody gets the ball and everybody throws it i don't care if you're a, a bigger kid or not like everybody's gonna throw the football Got everybody's gonna catch it. i'm sorry is it you got your little nice little <laughs> combine going on <laughs> Pretty much during PE, right? Everybody's throwing it. So then, like, you kind of see who throws the best. You kind of see who's the fastest, who can catch the best. And there's other kids that really can't throw, catch, or or, or run very fast. Well, then you're going to be probably an offensive line, even if you're a thinner kid. You know, we're going to teach you how to step. We're going to teach you how to put your foot placement in the right place. We're going to teach you how to block. And we did – even the quarterbacks in PE would learn how to block. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the first unit – in middle school was always football. <laughs> so I was able to kind of decipher through those kids and figure out who was going to be my players before the season even started, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's how I did it. I mean, I don't know how they do it now, I mean, but that's how I did it back then. It yeah. kind of helped me out, you know? Yeah, got you. Got and then you. when it was soccer season, we were doing the soccer unit, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so each season, each sports season, you just you just switch to the sports and PE. Correct. I mean, we did other things too. We did other units as well, health units and and movement units and range of motion. And what we did was moderate MVPA, which is moderate to vigorous physical activity. We did to- those type of things, but I always make sure I incorporate the sport that we were in, so that I could find those players. And then all those kids that were my PE, they saw how I taught the PE class so they all wanted to play football or they all wanted to play soccer or basketball or whatever because they knew that you know I'm I'm, I'm here to try to help you guys out you know I'm mm-hmm. not a this is not a transaction going on this is a transformation we're going to transform you to become a better athlete and hopefully a better person you know yeah and that's 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 always uh, the goal as a coach to make correct and uh especially like a, a boy a young a young man you want to make him a better <clears throat> a better person, not really, you know, yeah, the athlete going to come with it. But if, if you're not a good person, then you're going to have some problems down the line. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, and then after that, you went up to, to Kennedy to the high school level. It was that in 2004? Yes. The defensive, defensive ends coach. Yes. So, okay. That that's a that's kind of a funny story because you know I before the before coaching middle school I was coaching at the college level for three and a half whatever four years and mm-hmm. and uh, in in college like I said I did a lot you know we got on the board you know we talked X and O's you know I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff so like I I felt pretty confident in my coaching abilities as a football you know as a football coach so what we did as middle school coaches we would go scouts for the high school team so yeah. say for example. Kennedy was going to play Edison that next week. Well, I'd go to the Edison versus Lanier game or whatever it was, and I would scout Edison, and I'd take a little notebook with me, a three-ring binder, and I would write all their offensive schemes, their number one player, with number of their quarterback, left or right-handed, what the running back looked like, what the offensive line, how they blocked, what the defense ran scheme-wise, what coverage they were in. I, I wrote all that stuff down in games, and I was serious about it because I'm just a student of the game. I, I really enjoy this stuff, you know? The other coaches were like, what are you doing, coach? I'm like, I'm trying to get this scout report to look good for the high school coaches because I want them to be able to have kind of a leg up on Edison next week if if they're going to play them. So I would take this serious. The other, the other three coaches I had, they're just 
math teachers or science teachers is helping out. You know, this wasn't their profession. I'm a coach, you know, there were teachers and I'm a teacher also, but I'm a coach, you know, they yeah. weren't coaching. So anyway, so I took that stuff kind of seriously. So then on Saturday mornings, I come into the high school before they, they would uh, watch film or, or do practice with the high school kids. And I would turn in the notebook to the, to the head, to the high, to the coaches, right? The head coach. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one time he asked me before I was leaving, he's like, Hey coach, uh, what coverage were they in? I saw oh, they ran a cover three, man, but they, they looked like, like they were running a little bit of cover two and four later on in the game. I said, but when y'all watch the film, you can let me know because I really couldn't tell because I'm not sure if those high school kids were new with, they were lined up incorrectly or what they were doing. He's like, can you show it to me? I said, yeah. So I said, you know, give me a dry erase marker. So got on the board and he called all the coaches in to sit down and I'm a middle school coach, right? And I'm young. And he's calling all the high school coaches to sit down and listen to me on on the on the whiteboard about what Edison's running offensively, defensively, and special team wise. So I'm getting on the board and I'm drawing it up. And uh, afterwards, he pulled me to the side. He's like, "Coach, what are you doing at the middle school?" I said, "I'm coaching football." He's like, "No, no, what are you doing there?" I said, "I'm coaching, coach." He's like, "You don't, you belong up here with us. Like, I need you up here." So that next year, he pulled me up after he. After I got on the board from him, he pulled me up to the high school and he said, I got a defensive end spot for you. You can uh, be a PE teacher up here and uh, and we'll get you rolling. So I coached the high school level next year. It was it was awesome to go from college down to middle school and then now up to the high school. And then now I'm back at the high school where I played at, you know, in mm-hmm. the 80s, you know, late 80s. So <clears throat> I've gone full circle at that point. And and I love coaching so much. So it was it was a blessing for me to even be there and and we had good kids there that run they'll run through a wall for you. You know, they're just they're just good kids, good hearted kids. With so it was it was fun. I coached defensive ends, and then I ended up being the defensive coordinator there a few years later. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. So my boy Jeremy Gutierrez, man, he the one. Jerome. Jerome. <laughs> Look how it's spelled. Look how yeah. it's spelled. I used to call him uh, Jerome. He, yeah, I called him Jerome. He 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 wanted me to tell you. <laughs> That he wish he wish you was his his of the defensive. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Jeremy was a freaking Jeremy was a really really good player. He was like a cat. You could hit him any which way, and he would fall back on his feet, ready to run again. Yeah, yeah. You can. He he was he was legit. He was quick. He was fast. He had he was headstrong. Um, comes from a good family. I I I like the Gutierrez's. They're they're good good family i i know i know all his uncles okay so so i was i coached him and i don't think i coached jeremy in middle school but i know i coached him in high school yeah uh, he, told he was me. a good one for us yeah he told me in high school he was my head coach and not my defensive coach <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, i'm the head coach now so hopefully yeah. the next generation does pretty good yeah. for us yeah yeah but he got he got three girls so <laughs> oh, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. You know, so so I so you know after after that little stint, man, you you went to to Burbank, and then how was it? Is, is it a difference? I mean, it's is right down the street. It ain't too far, but but how was the kids? You know, <laughs> so it's approximately four minutes away driving. Right, it's literally four minutes. And the reason why I chose Burbank. It's because, like I told you earlier, my mom had passed away that that summer, <clears throat> and uh, 
my one of my buddies became the head coach at uh, at Burbank High School. He offered me uh, the assistant head coach position. So I kind of like day-to-day operations. I could help him out as, a, as the assistant head coach, and then he gave me head track. So uh, – and I was in charge of all the off-season stuff. So I, I was – Gain a little bit more responsibility. I wanted to go see a different a different perspective as far as the school district was because Edgewood loved Edgewood to death. You know that's where I grew up. Uh, but SEISD, like you said, it was only four minutes away, but it was different. You know, it was a little different uh, the way things were run there. So I got to see a different perspective as far as just the administration stuff goes within the football organization. Uh, just different different things, and the kids, the kids. For the same kids, uh, you know, the kids, the kids were the same. I, I love my kids at Kennedy, you know, I love them to death. And the kids at Burbank, same way. Those six years that I was there, those that group of kids that I coached for those six years, they still contact me. They still invite me to weddings and and they invite me to baptismals and and graduations. And so it, it's it was though I would say the only difference was was um, I guess the parents of the kids that went to school there were a little more vocal. So um, they were not, I'm not saying they were more involved. They were just um, more vocal as far as um, if they were upset about something, they were, they were going to let you know, first of all, and then they're going to go above your head immediately after they let you know that they were upset with something. At least my my community, my Edgewood, my Kennedy family, if there's something wrong with the program, they come to me and I take care of it. The the, the parents at, at, at Burbank sometimes went above your head uh, without even trying to resolve it within the the level it needed to be resolved. Like I, I tell my parents, even to this day, if you have something good to say, tell the whole world. I want everybody to hear how good we're doing. But if you have something bad to say, come tell me and let's fix it. Because yeah. I'm ultimately in charge of this program. Uh, and I wasn't in charge of the Burbank program. So maybe that's why I saw it that way. Maybe they were going to my head coach instead of me. But uh, I, I just felt like that's some. And, I, and like I said, I love the Burbank community. I still, still good friends with a bunch of the parents and, and a bunch of the kids that I coached. But I just felt some of the parents would go above your head as far as trying to resolve problems. And I said, just come to me. Let's fix it here, you know? Right. So, but the kids were exactly the same. They played just as hard. They worked out the same. They showed up. If you asked them to show up, uh, that's, I want to say that's probably one of the biggest uh, compliments to a coach is if you ask a kid to show up or the kids to show up and they show up, that's a, good compliment to the coach because that means they respect the program they respect the coach and they don't want to let you down mm-hmm. it's when you have something hey let's do this uh and then nobody shows up yeah so that was the biggest thing i wanted to implement to our kids at Kenny. like you know what if you're asked to do something it may be the next day hey fellas you know what tomorrow i'm having a meeting at seven o'clock in the morning i need you guys, i need you guys there 7 a.m and they show up to me, that's that's one of the best compliments you could have as a coach is just like the kids respecting you and your program and and doing what's right, not just for them but for the program, you know. Mm-hmm. Man, how is it? Like, let's let's go before we get into the, your you know your stint at Kennedy now, man. Let's go back to the middle school, man. Um, 
like when when those kids come in, you know, some of them might have played. You know, I know this was a while back, but you know, some of them, you know, might have played outside of school. Um, like, and you know, you that probably never really played just other than playing around, you know, at home. So, like, how do you how how was the practices? Did you teach them a lot of fundamentals, a lot of breaking everything down, or did you just yeah. write in? No. I mean, even at the high school level, but especially at the middle school level, it's all about fundamentals. It's all about leverage and, and breaking skills down and, and specificity. You know, like if I'm going to teach you how to step this way or put, place your hand this way in a drill, it's because you're going to step this way and place your hand in a game. Mm-hmm. So so we broke it down. I mean, there were some kids that came in with three years, four years experience, and you can tell who they are because they've played the game before. They're a little bit more aggressive. Uh they understand the game. Their football IQ is a little higher. And uh, they just moved a little quicker because the game was slower for them because they've been doing it for a couple of years. Then we had some kids that never played before. Seventh grade is their first time playing football. Even though we did our sixth grade football unit, uh, seventh grade was still, you know, you put the pads on now, put the helmets on. It's a, it's, you know, it's a different monster now with uh, with the collisions. And uh, and you guys obviously got to teach them how to, you know, how to tackle correctly. But, you can tell the difference sometimes between the kids that have played before and the kids that didn't. Um, but I'll tell you what, that learning curve closes real quick if you do it right with all the players. With uh, By the time they're eighth graders, you know, some of those kids that never played before are caught up, you know, just because some of them are athletic already. Uh, but they'll catch up pretty quick, especially if you coach them right during the football season and in and, and the off offseason. Um, so, but no, we broke down fundamentals. Everybody did the same thing. Of course, you want to match up kids you want to be anatomically correct when you match up kids. You don't want to match up that eighth grader with the beard with the seventh grader that's four foot five. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we we made sure that we were safe. You know, one of our duties, you know, was to to make sure that these kids are safe. We're teaching them proper technique and and fundamentals. But uh, no, like no matter what, it was going to be about fundamentals for everybody on the team, whether you had three, four years experience or it was your first time playing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's that's good, man. It's been good, you know. A lot of coaches, I like a lot of coaches, you know, no matter what you break down fundamentals. A lot of fans don't know how big fundamentals in sports. It's the it's the probably the biggest thing you can coach the, you know. I mean there, I mean there's gonna be a there's gonna come a time in the season where you're 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 kind of minimizing your fundamental work because you should have already been doing it for six weeks or whatever it may be, and now you're concentrating more on the scheme stuff. But it's gotta it's you still gotta do your EDDs, which we call our EDDs are everyday drills, right? EDDs are everyday drills. No matter what, you gotta do your EDDs. It's gotta become second nature to you. The way you stand, the way you step, the way you move, it's gotta be second nature. So if you're not doing that every single day, then your muscle memory is not gonna remember that. In a game, so say every single day. That's you know, like like because like my little girl in softball, and she days. Like okay, you know, not me not really knowing softball when she was telling me that, but then I had somebody on and they was like, that's one thing that they wish would have done every day was. Every day, <laughs> like, yeah. mm. everyday drills, EDDs, everyday drills, 
And you tell the kids that these are these are our EDDs. These are our everyday drills. You're gonna do this every day. It's gonna be like clockwork. If I say if I say stance and starts and I blow the whistle, everybody should line up where they should line up. They should know how to stand. They should know how to start. All, all I'm gonna say is stance and starts. And they I try to I try to keep my everyday drills with like one word phrases or two words. That way it's kind of quick. Like you know, we used to go uh, leverage sprint leverage. You know, leverage sprint LCL. All right, LCL guys. And they line up because you've been doing it every day for five weeks. You say LCL, they're going to line up or they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be ready to do this drill that's, like I said, specificity-wise is going to help them in the game. But it's also a drill that it's just three words or three letters, L, L, you know, LSL, and they line up. You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and all right, so, all right, now, in, in your in – your- no, um, so I know, I know you got, I don't know many people around, you know, like in the football, let's okay. say we have some, can we say, my little girl used to play with this guy's sister, he a freshman on Kennedy, um, dog, Enriquez. Yep, Daniel Enriquez. So, man, I know, I remember then that Man, I think it was like, let me see, probably four years ago, right? And and he was, you know, how how is his work ethic, man? Because like you, if you, if you see his the way he transformed, it's like I look at him like a a a man among boys, man. Like when I see him, man, how how is that kid's work ethic? So a kid like that doesn't miss a day in the weight room. Even as at Brentwood, every day after school from Brentwood, he would walk across the parking lot to the Kennedy High School weight room with other football players and work out with them. So the kid didn't miss a workout. So this is the entire spring of his eighth grade year, and he missed very didn't miss very many workouts in the summer. Showed up to everything, just got strong enough. So physically was ready to play at the varsity level. And Rodriguez played out of the 10 games. I want to say he started eight games as a varsity football player, as a freshman. We're talking about a 14-year-old freshman starting on varsity, playing against dudes that are 17, 18, getting ready to go to college, you know, especially the district we're in. And he held his own. That that kid right there is something special. And they're going to be talking about him next year as a sophomore. They're going to be talking about him the following year as a junior. And for sure, when he's a senior. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he called Big Dog for a reason, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And he, well, the great thing about it is, I had a, I had a another kid that was a senior this year, quietest kid on the team. Uh, he made all. He he's a first team all district offensive line for us. But Enriquez learned a lot from that senior, because mm-hmm. that senior, I would say, is kind of a different personality from Enriquez. He's more of a quiet kid, just does things right, kind of like me, I guess. I, the way I was as a player, but. Mm-hmm. And Dickens would say, man, I learned a lot from that, from, from De La Paz. I learned a lot from coach. I said, yeah, just keep listening to that kid because that kid knows what he's doing. If you look at that kid on film, he put some good stuff on film. And Dickens put some good stuff on film this year as a freshman. And he, well, we, we put him on defense also. Uh, so he, he was able to play both sides of the ball as a freshman on a varsity team. Uh, you know, at, We're talking about at the 4A Division One level. With, I mean, if you get, get a chance to watch the film against – you know, Bernie went to the state championship this year. Hmm? 
Enriquez played a lot in the against the state championship team. He was in that game a lot this year. <laughs> so as a freshman, correct. I had two freshmen that pretty good this year that had some tick, had some playing time on on varsity. But you know, that kid work his work ethic is uh is it's pretty good. Uh, we do a, a continuum, a continuum system. So our continuum system, we call it the continuum of commitment, right? How committed are you as a athlete? How committed are you as a person, or how committed are you as a as a program guy, right, or football guy? So it starts from the if you're in the red, you're pretty much reluctant. Means you're not showing up to anything, you're not doing anything. It goes all the way to the green, which is compelled. So, and within that rubric of continuum, uh, there's different criteria. It's not just go to the weight room. It's not just go to the track and run. You know, it's about showing up to class on time, not being tired. It's about showing up to school. Mm -hmm. It's about getting minimal, not, we don't want to get tons, minimal gains in your lift. So say you're squatting 300, now you're squatting squatting 310. Well, you know, you've gained about 5% strength. So we measure all that. And then we put you in a category of where you're at. So right now, and then Enriquez tells me this every time he sees me. He's like, Coach, I'm committed. I'm committed. He tells me every day, every time he sees me, that's the first word he tells me. He goes, I'm committed. Because mm-hmm. he's in the green right now. He's he's a committed kid. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's going to get to the point where he, he's a compelled kid, which is one of our top-notch kids. And once he becomes into the compelled category, now he's going to start dragging a bunch of kids along with him to the weight room. And he's going to be making sure those kids aren't hanging out in the hallways. Hey, get to class. Now you start becoming the leader, which is kind of tough for a freshman to become a leader because you're so new to the program. You're so new to the system. And you got dudes that are 17, 18 years old, you know, driving vehicles and, and yeah. doing adult things. And, and it's kind of tough for a freshman to tell them, but he's getting there. I'm telling you what, he's getting there. He hangs out with a bunch of the older guys, uh, He's taking on some of that persona too, uh, and we had an all-state kid, and uh, Dronowski was an all-state kid for us, and uh, uh, and Dikas was able to block him in practice sometimes, and he would tell me, he's like, Coach, Coach, I just blocked Dronowski today. I said, You got him? He's like, I got him, Coach. I said, That's an all-state kid you just blocked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so his confidence is is getting better. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to be it's going to be through the roof here, uh, here probably next year. Like I said, he's 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 a program kid for us. You know, he's one of those kids that. Uh, can change a program by himself. So um, I, I love his commitment. I love his attitude. Uh, he's just going to continue to get better and better. He's always going to get bigger and stronger. And hes you already know his name. Uh, the rest of the city will know his name here soon, you know? Oh, yeah. For sure. That's a for sure. He will be an all-state kid. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm. So, okay, man, let's, let's go into a – let's go into a, a Friday – and and this game, you know, you got a tough game, man. Like, how do you, you know, not giving out too much info, you know, not who, who gonna try to, you know, stick. Then what's what's a, a day, you know, like for for a head varsity football coach on a Friday? So, man, Fridays besides the seven o'clock kickoff, Fridays are bad. I don't like Fridays at all. I, I love coaching the game on Friday when we're on the field and the ball's kicked off and we're ready to go. But everything else before that for, for a high school kid and a high school coach, is, we're talking about pep rallies sometimes in the morning, pep rallies during lunch, pep rallies after school. We're talking about 
me trying to set up the pregame meals for the kids so they could eat exactly at the time I want them to eat because I want them to have some good sustenance, you know, three and a half hours before a game. So which means we got to eat. We're playing a seven o'clock game. I want to be eating by three thirty on the dot. So I got to organize all that. Um, and then my day to day duties, just as a as a professional and as a teacher, uh, I get pulled for this. I get pulled for that. I get called to this. I get called to that. Uh, I would. I wish it was just coaching. There's a lot of, like I said earlier, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that goes on 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 a Friday that the kids hopefully don't see. And I know they don't see it. The kids don't feel it. Uh, And and I'm 51 years old. I still feel like I I get nervous to the pit of my stomach on Friday. It's so nerve wracking because there's things you can't control, you know, until the kickoff, you know. Right. So Fridays are tough for me, man. I I, everything else involved is. To me, it's just let's just get to seven o'clock so I can coach this game, and I'm in my element now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> and and we're preparing on Monday through Thursday, so if we're missing something on Friday, then we we've, we've done it wrong. Friday is kind of just all right. You know, you're ready to take the test. We prepared all week for the test. Here are the answers to every single test. I'm giving you the answers. I'm giving you the answers Monday through Thursday. Now you're gonna take the test on Friday. You know, let's ace it. You know. Hmm. <clears throat> And man, practice like a practice, good practice week, man. Like, see me, I was never a football. Like, I wasn't this whole big workout. Like, I didn't, I didn't like the workout. That's one place. If it was one place I hated in the school, it was the weight room. <laughs> you know, and they always okay. would you know, ask me. Yeah, hey, they would always say hey, because I was, you know, tall. Man, we do as receiver. You know, we need this. And I'm like, like, no, man, like. You know, do I have to catch slants across the middle? Like I'm not up right, to get yeah. that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, like it's it's plays. Like y'all have to you know, plays is is in the playbook, man. Like how much and you know playing. Like how hard is it for a quarterback to just lead his receiver across the middle, knowing somebody is possibly waiting on him right there well i mean it's i mean the quarterback houses passes to these receivers right within a season right so i mean co- coaching quarterbacks is tough and especially in a in a high school situation where you got some big hitters especially up the, you know in inside the middle so uh mm-hmm. we try not to do that as much we're not we're not trying to hang anybody out to dry across the middle but you know there are some routes that slant across the middle we got some digs but I mean, we also tell the, the the receiver it's your responsibility to find the window. Like, don't be running towards somebody that could okay. potentially take your head off. Like, mm-hmm. find the window, and then you and the quarterback have to have this special relationship about where he places the football. If he throws the ball in front of you, if he's good enough to throw the ball in front of you, then he's telling you there's nobody there. Now, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but hey, you know what? He sees the defense. He's throwing the football. It's it's he's still 17 years old. He's in the NFL, you know. So like he's still gonna throw it, and he, but we don't we don't try to call too many slants that are gonna hang out to dry like that just because of those big collision hits and and we we, we practice with the quarterback sometimes too. Hey, you know what? If you see a dude there and your guy's running across the middle, either don't throw it to him or or let him know that there's somebody there. Like throw it behind him so he can stop and catch it instead of getting killed. You know what I'm saying? Like like mm-hmm. lead him off a little bit. So yeah, those those plays are tough. Um, we do have them in the playbook. You know. It's it's a slant route, mm-hmm. um, oh, but we're yeah. trying to slant. 
yeah, we're not we're trying to slant the, the slot receiver, the inside number two receiver into the linebackers too much. It's more of a number one outside receiver, closer to the sideline running those slats. Mm. So there's less traffic. Got you. Got you. <clears throat> Got you, man. And all right, like say, say, you know, is what Friday and is is you no, know, every game is a big game. But I know you have that one game on the schedule in district that you just is is you you're a little bit more pumped up for than than the other ones. What what game is that? Well, it's different for a coach, I guess, than it is for a player. For our players, obviously, it's the Salsa Bowl against Memorial. That last game of the season at at no. Edgewood Veterans Stadium, that Salsa Bowl is a big game for both schools. You know what I'm saying? And ever since they they named that game the Salsa Bowl, and they have a big old trophy for it, and there's a big old media presence and. The community gets involved. And they do a salsa cook-off, and then they want this parade and that parade. So the kids get into it, which I love. You know, that's part of the high school experience is, is doing right. stuff like that, you know. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll look out – me personally as a football coach, you know, before the season, I'll look at what the other teams have coming back, how many seniors they graduated, you know, and I'll watch film on them. And I'll, I'll see what they – like I said, what they're going to look like for the next year. And I'll circle some games in, in, in our schedule with the coaches, of course. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, you know what? This is a must-win for us right here. This is going to be a tough game right here. This one right here shouldn't even be close, guys. So we got to make sure that we prepare for that. Uh, you don't want to blow out teams too much or, or or get behind too much, whatever, whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? So I do, and me and the coaching staff, we will sit down and we'll we'll circle some games in that mean, you know, they they can mean make or break a season sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but for the kids, the salsa bowl, that's their game right there. Like they they love that game. <laughs> They it's a big deal for them. Yeah, they 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 live for that game, man. It's it's a good thing. It's for the. It's also the last game of the season mm. because because uh, it's a long season. I mean, the season goes on forever, and and sometimes it gets a little a little redundant. It gets a little bit, you know, kind of. And then, and then towards the end of the season, the you know the the with the with the time change, you know, the the clocks change, right? We we always fall back, right? Mm. So it gets darker earlier. So they. Kids get tired faster because like it's already dark, coach. We'll turn on the right. lights. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we turn on the lights, you know, towards the end of the season. But some of those kids that were not getting much playing time or 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 a little disappointed with the way the season's going or or whatever, whatever goes on in, in a football season sometimes, at least we get to keep those kids to the end so they could play that last game, especially their seniors, you know? Yeah. Like if they're contemplating not finishing the season or whatever it may be for whatever reason, I'm like, I hope I hope you guys can play the last game because it's going to be a good game for, you know, like, let's play that last game. Like, let's get there. Of course, the, the committed kids and the compelled kids aren't even thinking about that, you know, not playing. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you know, our job as coaches, especially at the high school level, is to give those kids the ultimate high school experience. So allowing the kid to quit during the football season is not even in our vocabulary. I don't even allow it to happen. It, there has to be almost an act of Congress for a kid to quit the team, you know? Like, I call the kid in. I call the parents in. I sit down. I put them on contract. Like, I don't want your kid to not play anymore. You know, I want him to finish the season. You know, he, he got to learn, you know, how to persevere through tough times. You know, I know he's not getting much playing time. I know he feels like he's not a big part of the team. But I'm telling you right now, he is a big part of the team. Or else I wouldn't bring you in. I wouldn't sit you down in my office and try to tell you or try to uh, convince you to let him finish and finish the season because I tell the parents or the, or the player it would be easy for me just let you go 
because then you're thinking, oh, I don't have to worry about that kid anymore. He's gone. He doesn't play much anyway. He's not going to help us. He's not going to hurt us, you know. So go ahead and let him go. That'd be easy for a coach to do. But I, I don't want to be that coach. And I don't want to be that person to that kid. Mm-hmm. I want them to finish the season. So I tell the parents, you know, let's persevere through this because it would have been easy for me just to let him go, but I'm not. I'm keeping him on the team. I want him to be part of something, you know, bigger than himself. And and let's finish. So that it, I think the Memorial game kind of helps. The Sausable helps keep some of those kids there for the season. But like I said, us as coaches, we circle a bunch of them thinking, all right, these, these are must-win games, and this is going to be a good one for us, you know? Right. I mean, God. Man, so – <clears throat> oh, you at you you at practice, right? And you got yes, how, how many how many how many kids high school football team? So since we're four A Division One, you know numbers are numbers are down right now, but uh, we probably have a little bit over a hundred, maybe one hundred five. So we'll probably carry um, thirty five to forty on the varsity, another thirty uh, on the thirty thirty five on the freshman team, and about twenty five on the junior varsity team. So we'll practice our varsity uh, together, and then we'll practice our junior varsity and our freshmen together. So we have two different teams out there at the same time, or three different teams, but on two different sections. Yes, you just there, just walking all around. <laughs> so right. uh, I, I'm yeah. I guess I would be called more the facilitator, mm-hmm. but uh, I also coach linebackers. So uh, okay. I have a coach that coach linebackers with me, but that. that that's my baby, man. I played linebacker in college, and I I know what it feels like to, I know what it feels like to be in that stance. I know what it feels like to take that step, and I know what it feels like to make that big hit. Like, cause I did it as a player, so I like going over there with the linebackers. And I'll coach them up, and and what I'll do at the beginning of the season, I'll, I'll go through all my EDDs with the with the players and the coach, the extra coaches there, and I'll run through my EDDs, and then he'll run through whatever he feels is EDD wise that he can he can add to the to the to the table. And then I'll start slowly pulling myself away from it and let that coach kind of take over as long as he's doing, you know, the drills I feel that they're going to help our kids. And see, because when we're coaching the freshmen and the JV on defense, that means the varsity is on offense. So I need to go over there and make sure the offense is doing what they're supposed to be doing too. So I'll walk away with my clipboard. I'll take notes if I need to, and I'll make sure the running backs are doing what's supposed to be any offensive line stuff, receiver stuff. uh, So kind of, Still coach position, but I also facilitate and, and walk around to make sure because, I mean, ultimately it falls on my shoulders. You know, this team is, you know, I'm the head coach, so it falls on my shoulders. I got to make sure that things are being run correctly. Mm-hmm. The winning, what, how to winning is for the players and losing is about the coaches. Correct. And man, Correct. I know. It's tough, you know, man. But a good thing, you know, from from reading on your page, and you you turn every program around, you know. Even here, you know, Kennedy haven't been to the playoffs since two thousand nine, and 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 you have a big turnaround once you you know came. And in two thousand nine, it was you was defensive coordinator, so you you was part of the playoff run. And too, so man, it's just you bring real good things to Kennedy. It sounds like. Well, I appreciate it, man. I try, man. Like I said, it's, it, 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 to us, it's not really about the wins and losses. It's about getting those kids, those those kids prepared for for life. Uh, um, you people always say like beginning of the season, hey coach, how successful are you going to be this year, or are you going to be successful? I said, come back in five years when your kids five years after he graduated five years from high school, 
and let me know how he's doing. If that kid's doing great, then we were successful this year. Because the wisdom, it's, it's it's a football game. It's not, it, it's a game. That's why they call it a game because you know we get to we get to play this game and and us as coaches we get to coach this game. But like you and I spoke about earlier, the most important thing is about preparing those kids to become better human beings in life. I tell all the kids, I said, I can guarantee you one thing: you're gonna leave our program a better person than you were when you came in. That's a guarantee because we're gonna do everything in our power to character develop you. We're going to do everything in our power to make you a better person, uh, whether we come out of your shell and speak more or, or whatever it may be. But you're going to leave our program better than you were when you came in. That, that's a guarantee. It's, I mean, you may not win the state championship. You know, you may not get 100 wins or whatever it may be. But, you know, those wins and losses are going to come. But whatever else comes after that, that that's what really matters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, man. How, how, much, how much do you speak? Um, you know say failure to your kids like like how much do you let them know like it's okay it's okay to fail <clears throat> that's pretty much all the time i don't know I, I couldn't put a number on how how we talk about that but we we try to get them the only way they're going to play faster is if they're not afraid to make a mistake mm-hmm. like do not be afraid to make a mistake you know you have to go full speed you have to go 100 miles an hour because it's just, you know, it's, the, it's it's like the whole elevator concept. You know what I'm saying? If the first floor of a huge building and you get into the elevator, if that first floor is the first play of the game, you step out of the elevator, you play that play. You get back in the elevator and you go to the second floor and you step out of that elevator on the second floor and you play that play. It doesn't matter what happened on the first floor. That, that first floor is done. Right. And then now you're on the second floor and you're doing that play. And after that play is done, you get back on the elevator and you go to the third floor and you play that play. Who cares what happened on the first floor or the second floor, whether you failed or not, doesn't matter. It's done. It's over with. So we always talk about the elevator concept of trying to get these kids to understand. Like it doesn't matter. Like you're going to make mistakes. Watch college football every Saturday, watch NFL every Sunday. There's mistakes all over the field. And those dudes are the best of the best of the best. And they make mistakes, you know? So you're a high school kid. Doesn't it doesn't matter? But if you're afraid to make a mistake, then you're not going to be very successful. Yeah, because you're going to be timid, and you're not going to you're you're, you're going to be stuck in the mud. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, buddy, you're not lying about that. Because man, if you like you said, if you play scared, you going it's it's proven that you go mess up. It don't matter what you're doing. You don't have to even be sports. It's just anything. Yep. If, had to do it, you probably gonna mess up. You need so probably something you need not do. Yeah, we do. Uh, I don't know if you heard of Stephen Mackey. You ever get a chance to look up Stephen Mackey? We do a Stephen Mackey character development every Monday and Tuesday in our sports program and our football program, and he just talks about building character, human beings, no matter what it may be. It's called two words, and uh, it's just one of those things where like, and we, and we and we preach those two words every week to those kids to try to make them better, but. You know, none of those two words say be timid. You know what I'm saying? Not one of them. Right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Man. So what's what what's what's some advice? You know, I got I got two advice you can you would gave you would have gave yourself like a, as the younger you. What's some good advice that the older you would have gave the younger? And then what's some good advice you give kids every day? So I would say if I would have been able to talk to myself back then, <laughs> I would have told 
enough, man. You are good enough because I didn't believe it. I didn't believe I was good enough to be on the field. I didn't believe I was good. I had, I mean, my confidence was, was down and I just didn't think I was good enough, you know, until I got to college and then people. So I guess growing up in my neighborhood, I tell the kids that too sometimes. <laughs> I said, <laughs> there's a lot of activity going on in our community right now in our, in our neighborhood. A lot of our people, the way we're raised is, is negative you know to me that i don't cuss in front of the kids because it's negative you're cussing all over the streets sometimes you're cussing in, in in the household that's negative i don't i don't want to i don't want to associate with negativity because that's how i grew up uh i don't want people putting down other people talking down to other people you help them up yeah you, you give them a hand you don't you know what i'm saying like because mm-hmm. <clears throat> because that's negative you got to be positive so i would tell my younger self you know you're good enough and 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 you can do this because when I was finally in college and they were telling me that I was good enough or that I was awesome at this and I was such a great player, I got I believed it. So in high school, when they told me I wasn't good, I believed it. In college, when they told me I was good, I believed it. So people don't understand how impressionable these kids are. So if you're telling them they're not good, they're gonna they're gonna believe it. So I try to stay away from that whole negative thing. So I would tell my younger self and you're good enough, dude. You're good enough. You're good. You can you can handle this. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep working the way you're working. And as far as what we tell the kids nowadays, it's like the same thing. I, I tell the kids nowadays, I said, I wish you could see in the mirror what the potential that we see in you right now. I wish you guys saw I wish you saw the same dude because everybody in their mind, that voice in our head, there's a dude for for the guys, right? There's a dude, there's a doubter. Which voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the dude or are you listening to the doubter? Because whoever you listen to is going to be right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some of my kids, when they hear me say, who are you listening to? They'll say, the dude. <laughs> the dude. <laughs> I said, all right, then be the dude, then. Be the dude. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. And I, I like you. I like your motto. You got hard work pays off. Yep. I, I didn't make that up, man. I got that from Damian Tomlinson. Remember LT back in the day? So we're coaching. I, I did all the camps. You know, I, like I said, I'm a, I'm, I'm a sponge, man. I try to learn football any which way I can. So I used to do all these football camps. Dallas Cowboys with Jay Novacek was there. And Michael Irvin, all those guys were doing the camps. I did the Chicago Bears camp when when uh, uh, it was uh, Alex Brown and, and Erlacher and Hester and those guys. I was, doing, I was working camps every summer. And uh, LT did a camp one time. And his would yell at the top of his lungs. We're talking about 200, 300, 400 campers. He would yell, hard work. And the entire camp would yell, pays off. And it gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, it hit me in my bones when he said it. And everybody, and he said it again, hard work. And everybody said, pays off, hard work, pays off. And it just felt so good to me. It felt right. And I brought it back with me. And I've used it ever since. It's been my motto in every program I've been in. Whether I was a defensive coordinator, where I was an assistant coach, now that the head coach has been my model. And the kids know when I say hard work, they're all going to say it pays off because you have to believe it. You have to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get down to the end. I got one last one last question. Um, who would you who would you like to hear on on the podcast? But but the answer, you, you have to help me help me get them. 
Okay. Uh, what, what are you looking for in particular? Are you looking for a, a football coach? Are you looking for a sports coach? Or yeah, what, sports what? coach. It don't matter the sport. It any sport, any sport. I'm trying to cause cause I'm into my my kids. I started this based off of you know softball. My okay. She's real big into softball. My daughter is both two of them. But I, I want to you know get all the different sports. I don't want to. You know, just just get it from just softball point of view, like from coaching, from just coaches from from any sport. It don't matter what it is. Mm, okay, let me think about it. If it's just a sports coach, and I maybe want to get outside. Uh, hmm, let me think. Okay, so there's a coach that does softball. Mm-hmm. She also does volleyball. She was a coach at Kennedy for a long time. She coached in the early 90s at Kennedy. Been coaching there for years. And then when I went to Burbank, she I'm not saying she followed me to Burbank, but she ended up at Burbank almost the same time I did. Mm-hmm. And she coached at Burbank with me for a few years. And then I came back to Kennedy to get the head job. She's still there at Burbank. And I'm not sure if she's about to retire. But her name is Coach Tony Gorman. Okay. And she is in awesome awesome individual she's a great coach but she's even a better person and i love her to death and i've learned a lot from her just different perspective you know she's a female i'm a male uh, she coaches girls i coach i coach males you know what i'm saying and uh so it was just it was good working with her next you know side by side her and i coach against her sometimes and uh but she's a she's solid of the earth man she's a good good person i think she would be a great addition to your podcast because she does volleyball for girls and she does softball as well. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> She'll be good. And that's what that's a good thing, you know, you you said a lady, a woman, you know, I haven't had many, many women. So okay. that's something I would, I would really like to, you know, try to even up the playing field that with the men's and women. Yeah, absolutely. So I can get a hold of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll give her a heads up and then I can give her your contact information and then uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Sounds good, man. I wanna wanna appreciate you for your time, you know, man. Busy schedule, you know, with all that going on. I know you're on break, but still now we're you never gotta, on break. We're never time. on break. <laughs> we're never on break. <laughs> but yeah, you know, true that. You know, you let's see you don't break from going to school, let's say that. But Correct. I'm Correct. just still doing something with football or even family time. So man, I wanna I wanna appreciate you, man, for giving me your time and, and doing the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Levi, man. Thank you for even considering me, man. Appreciate it. No, yeah, for sure, man. Nice nice catching up with you. Uh, thank sir. you about your knowledge. Yep, and if you need anything, man, you give me a call. You got my personal phone number. Yes, sir. Will do. All right. Have a good holiday, man. Talk later. Bye-bye. Yeah, man, y'all highlight my boy Jeremy for that tent. Thomas, training them kids, fielding, feet work, all the good stuff. Levi's wreaths and more. Get them doors looking nice. Holler at the wife. Levi's mobile detailing. We here. Peace.